the things that we do today impact our future outcome when it comes to passive streams of income, when it comes to minimizing taxation, when it comes to minimizing risk, maximizing how much money actually comes in. And also very importantly for a lot of individuals is, is really working on that legacy. Welcome to the Dental Elements Podcast. On today's episode, my guest is Eunicia Perret. Eunicia is a business owner, a wealth strategist, and a speaker. And so if you're worried about whether you have enough wealth built up for retirement, or if you're on the, on the right trajectory, if you are not feeling in alignment with your investments, or if, if you haven't looked at your money, if you're afraid to look, or you're, you're fearful to see even where you're at, this episode is going to help you with some outside of the box thinking. So Eunicia has a unique approach where she looks outside of the box first before looking in the box. And we're going to explain what that means. Welcome, Eunicia Perret. Sounds like you have a lot of experience. I just read your bio and we're excited to, to hear your perspective. Well, I'm happy to be here with you, Cindy. And uh, I will tell you that when it comes to strategy, so from from a wealth building perspective, most of the individuals that I come across will ask me, well, so are you a financial planner, financial advisor? Where do you fit? And what I tell people is... I'm neither. Um, I'm a true wealth strategist, wealth consultant to our clients and to the folks that we work with. And the reason for that is because what we've identified, specifically talking about strategies, is that when it comes to what people do, um, let, let's just say during the, the growth years versus, for example, the distribution years, the accumulation versus distribution, or you know, as we're thinking about how do we create that financial freedom, what we're finding, especially, we're going to focus a little bit on the industry, right? Both from a dentistry as well as from a medical standpoint, is that oftentimes individuals will have a tendency to just do what they've always done or listen to the same individuals that they've worked with for however long, whether they trust or they don't trust the strategies. There's this belief that I have a him or I have a her, so I'm fine. And, and because of that, what ends up happening on the strategy side is that a lot of individuals during that wealth accumulation phase, during that growth phase, if they are invested, if their money is in asset categories and in investments that are not necessarily aligned to who they are as individuals, and they don't necessarily believe in those investments or they don't understand what's happening with their money, their money, it's the, there's no focus on the money. And so the money might be growing. They might still be doing okay, but they're certainly not thriving. Their accounts are not thriving because there's no true focus. There cannot be true focus if we don't understand the options, if we don't understand how those play to who we are, and if they don't, how we might need to change the trajectory. In the long run, one of the big issues that we see is that individuals don't really focus on what does it mean when we're thinking about retirement. Everybody knows that retirement is somewhere on the horizon. Some want it earlier than others, but nobody really sits to think about how will the, again, strategies, so to not overly use that word, how do the things that we do today impact our future outcome when it comes to passive streams of income, when it comes to minimizing taxation, when it comes to you know minimizing risk, maximizing how much money actually comes in, and also very importantly for a lot of individuals is, is really working on that legacy. And so if we don't think through and through about what will this look like for us in the future, simply because, again, we're either paralyzed or we're avoiding to look at where we're at or the strategies that we're employing don't align to who we are as individuals, 
what ends up happening is all of the things that I just mentioned earlier are going to end up suffering in the future, including our ability to leave a legacy. And legacy, as an example, becomes exceptionally important to individuals as they near that that retirement age, call it 60s, 70s, going into 80s. By that point in time, it's too late to revert and do things differently because it is. And so our philosophy is that we have to be very intentional about what does what does that roadmap look like for us, for each individually, because it's very different. Unfortunately, we talked just before hitting record, the new versus the old. As an industry, the financial services industry is is fairly antiquated. It's more of the same that you know was there 20 years ago. Yes, products change all the time, but oftentimes individuals will have a tendency to frankly stagnate in doing what they do because it's much easier to operate in a in a in a cookie cutter and because of that the client ends up getting the cookie cutter and that leads to mediocre or okay results but certainly not excellent or exceptional and so that's one of the reasons one of the big reasons why we're huge proponents for we need to think outside of the box and we need to constantly look at what are the strategies that are coming down the pipeline, but also how do we we refresh the old strategies to align to how we as individuals and professionals continue to grow? Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's that's great. And so you want to start with your strategies, check in on what you're doing, and then have like the end in mind. So see where you want to go, and then see if your your strategies with your money are going to take you to your end result. I think with the end in mind. Uh, we actually take yeah. a very we take a very different approach because what you just said in, in a hypothetical world would be correct. The problem is we're starting if we take that approach, we're starting more with with frankly products slash investments, right? Where That's where is our box. money? We're in the box, right? So we're looking in the box. We're kind of taking a peek outside of the box, but we only see certain things outside of the box, and then we come back into the box and we try to reshuffle things, but we're still in the box. The approach that that we use with our clients is is one where we think outside of the box first. So whatever is there, most of the clients that we work with already have something, strategies, whether it be a 401k, IRA, policies, all sorts of different things that investments, right, that they have in their portfolio. And when they come to us, one of the big questions is, what do I need to change? But the bigger question that they have is, what am I missing? Why am I paying so much in taxes? Why... And what can I do to optimize my investments? What are the wealthy doing that we could be doing too without necessarily needing to be sitting on tens of or hundreds of millions of dollars? And then last but not least, am I going to be okay for retirement? So instead of focusing on staying inside of the box, we start talking about that outside because if we don't understand how those individuals individually, even within a family, opinions will vary when it comes to money. How do we take the way that we see money, the way that or we have a very de- detailed and very complex methodology that is unique, it's interpreted very uniquely and customized to the client to walk us through understanding how do we think about money? What do we need this money to do for us today in the future? What does it do today? What does it need to be doing in the future? How flexible is it? How much control do we have over it? How are we paying taxes on that money? right? Are we paying taxes now, later, or never? And so it's it's almost like a, a layer, peel the onion approach, right? Peel the, back the onion approach to figure out what is it that each one of those layers looks like individually to us. And what that does, it, it basically gives us an idea, a very clear idea of not only where the client is, but the client will understand not only their options, 
but they'll understand how those options, how they resonate with the money. What are, what does that overall look and feel look like for who they are when it comes to their wealth building efforts? And they will immediately know, am I in the right things or am I in the wrong things? And so then only, only at that point in time, do we then have the conversation of, okay, what, what is, we call it the domino effect. What is that domino effect? What are the things that have to change in order for that plan to be set into motion in a way that it then aligns with the client? And so once we start thinking outside of the box and we're there and we figure out, okay, which, which area around the box do we want to work in or, or, or focus on to begin with? Then we go into the box, we reach into the box. And if there are changes that need to be made, wonderful. If everything that's in place already is working as it should and it's optimized, that's even better. Now we can continue focusing on, okay, what else needs to be done to continue to optimize? But we, we, I love the analogy of the box. We, we bring what's in the box outside of the box and we play with it there so that we have more room to, to grow and expand and, and explore what truly wealth building strategies could look like. Yeah. So, and so you want to align like your energy and your beliefs with what you're doing. So that way it's kind of like feeding it even more and nurturing it, I guess, kind of like talking to your plants or, you know, giving them love. And so if you believe in what you're invested in, maybe that, that, so then you're more excited and it helps, helps it grow. You're more apt to leave your money there. Absolutely. You know what they say that that what you focus on ends up, ends up actually growing. And so it's not just the you know, who you are as an individual, right? But it's who, how you see things personally. And and again, talking about, for example, husband and wife or, or partners, right? One will see money one way and another one will see money differently. And historically they would have probably been fighting and, and a lot of opportunities were missed because they didn't have a way to um, rationalize between the differences of opinion. Not to say that one was wrong and one was right, but rather how do we arrive to a common consensus and com- common denominator that works for that particular partnership, whether it be a marriage partnership or it be business partners. And the other piece is it's just really understanding what the options are, right? Oftentimes, and this this happens in more cases than I, I care to um, let clients, let individuals know, people do not understand what it is that they're invested in. It's not to say that they have to learn how to do it. There's a big misconception between, I don't have the time. I don't want to learn it. I don't want to do it. I just want somebody else to do it for me. And understanding to be able to say, yep, I like it. No, I don't, right? Give a thumbs up, give a thumbs down. And so that's one of the things that that we find is individuals, once they understand that, hey, I have options. Number one, there are options that I didn't even know existed, but then also be able to look at what it is that they already have in the context of all of that empowerment that they would have received as part of going through a program similar to what I'm, I'm describing to you. It then gives them the power to say, I really like it or I'm okay to change it because if I change it, I can focus on whatever it is and the money will be aligned and it will grow in alignment to that focus that we have on it. So, yeah. And so would, would somebody's, so like a couple, they have different beliefs that would kind of be their, they each have their own box. Everybody has the different blocks and a different outside the box. Yes. Kind of like yes. But it's way. important for them to realize what each of each of their boxes looks like. What, what are their limitations in thinking? Uh, what are their limitations in, in how they perceive money, how they perceive risk, taxes? I'll give you an example. We work um, we work with a lot of professionals. We actually work with um, CPAs, attorneys, of course, physicians, dentists, et cetera. But it's very interesting to see it 
even on the business side with with individuals that are in somehow aligned to to financial services or to the financial profession the individual that's in the finance field will have a different perception on money right they'll be a lot more relaxed with risk they'll be okay with taking different approaches because they understand it better one of our clients fits that description and and the spouse is very apprehensive to risk so much so that the idea is just pay everything off don't want to have any debt but oh my gosh, I really want to buy into this business. How are we going to do it? Oh, it's okay. Just pay the higher taxes because it's safer. I don't understand what's, what lies beyond that box, right? And we'll be fine. But then the question from the spouse is, how can we get ahead? How can we do better than our friends are doing? And so, you know, the husband may be aggravated with the fact that the wife thinks one way or the wife is aggravated with the husband because they see things differently. And what we're finding is that when people understand the the other person's perspective, again, not right or wrong, it's really to be able to have an informed discussion. Now, instead of those meetings being, the clients being apprehensive to want to go to them, which happens all the time, right? It's, it's generally the husband that's addressed on anything financial and the wife, the lady who who cares, right? Is where, where we should be put in the corner because I'm not quite sure why. Instead of it being a weird, awkward situation, now the two of them actually talk and a beautiful thing happens. Number one, an unintended consequence is because they talk and they are able to talk and, and realize each other's difference perspective difference of perspective and opinion. Now they have a better marriage. If they have children, the children start getting involved and and start hearing how mom and dad thinks. And so not only do we have a better life, but we also raise better children. We raise the future generation to be stronger than perhaps we were. Something that I think of money as fighting, because if your parents are fighting over money all the time, they, you might grow up thinking money is evil. Money causes fights, money, money be happy. Yeah. Exactly. And too many kids are in that situation, right? So we actually do that with our children. We involve them in discussions. We involve them in even business decisions sometimes. And and sometimes it's scary. And sometimes they'll express like, mom, dad, like this is a scary thought, right? What happens from a risk perspective or other considerations? And just being able to have those discussions with them is empowering them to where I know that they're not going to have to wait until they're in their thirties or forties to get what I call the basics, but those bases are basics are fairly um, futuristic and ahead for most of the population, right? So if we can just take a little bit of that and give it to our children, it changes so many things, so many dynamics for, for the future generations. And for yeah, all of our children, I think we need to be teaching this more to the children that don't have opportunity to learn this because that's going to help everybody and help, help, you know, help the world, you know, educating. and having both sides of um, the information. And, you know, you may be thinking one thing and your partner may be thinking something different. And that's a good thing because somewhere in the middle is the answer, right? I mean, and the two together, because you're, you're going to do good because not yes. everybody's right all the time. No, and, and we don't right. have to, we don't have to be right. That's the thing, right? It's it's just, we have to, know. it's right. Going back to those strategies is what are the strategies that we're both, we're, we're most aligned with. And again, it's not just on the family side, it's on the business side as well. When we're talking about, you know, two partners being in business, while one will want to run the business one way and the other run it a different way. Well, if we can respect how we think about it, again, we're talking financials, it can put that business into such so much better of a situation because now we, we're not just focused on we do what we know works 
and we know what we do, what we we've always done, but rather how can we change the paradigm? How can we do more with less? How can we optimize? How can we increase our bottom line, et cetera, et cetera. And that ultimately ends up giving the business more value, ends up giving the partners more joy to actually drive that partnership. And, and even it even has a ripple effect on the employees as well. So what are, what are all those answers? What do you see outside the box? And like you're saying, you don't have to have millions of dollars to, to look outside the box. So what would you recommend for, for an average person? A little bit like if you're going to tweak one little strategy or try something different, do you have some tips or, and also taxes, like how, what's your, tip for avoiding. Oh, that's an awesome subject. We could talk about that for a really long time. (laughs) I know. It's like, seems like that's the answer to wealth is avoiding taxes. It's, it's, it's being strategic about taxes. It's not doing the wrong thing to not pay the taxes, but rather it's, it's figuring out and learning what is in that tax code that can actually help us? That's that's how the wealthy play and the game. It's there to help you. It's not, yeah, it's not tax. You're doing avoidance is, is tax tax compliance, but in, in, in the confines of, of there are things in the tax code that can actually help. The tax code wasn't written, for example, for the W-2 employees. The government wants folks to do more, to invest back into the economy, and they're rewarded with sometimes tax um, tax deductions and, and tax savings opportunities because they're not always deductions, right? And frankly, that's where the wealthy are. But oftentimes individuals, for those that are listening, if you're if you're listening and you're thinking, well, I'm not wealthy, I don't know why I'm listening to this. Here's the thing. Wealth is relevant. And when, when the, I don't know why I'm going down this path of wealth is relevant, oftentimes individuals will say, well, I don't have enough, right? I don't have enough to talk to someone like Unicia. I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing. And in two, three, four, five years, I'll come back around because I'll have more money. I'll make more. I'll earn more. I'll be in a different situation. And that will be the time. You were asking what are the different, I'll call them pitfalls that individuals have when it comes to money. And one of them, frankly, is the avoidance of looking to see what is it that is there and what is it that we need to do to optimize things. It's it's the avoidance, is the fear, it's the, again, I'll push it to tomorrow and then I'll push it to next month and I'll push it to next year. And doing that, literally, just that alone, cost us a ton of money ton of money and potential loss accumulation, opportunity cost, the opportunity to even look at what is it that we have that maybe it's not aligned or it's costing us too much. And we have no idea that that's the case. But because it's costing us too much, it's also costing us accumulation on the back end. And so the biggest guidance that I could give folks is when you have questions, reach out. If, if you're interested to learn more, for example, about how we go about helping clients, feel free to reach out. I'm sure that that the information will be included in the notes in terms of how you can do that. We're happy to address questions that that you might have. My guidance is make sure you get your questions answered. And oftentimes people will come and will ask us, well, how do I know if my my question was answered correctly? That's a hard one because if you don't understand the industry and and I don't encourage people to go geek out on all the fine uh, nitty-gritty details, is if you're in that situation where your gut tells you something's not right, or I don't feel like I I got a straight answer, or I don't feel like I have the big picture, then chances are you probably don't. And again, we have to listen to those gut instincts to then be able to say, okay, maybe I need a second opinion. Maybe I need this. I, I need somebody else's thoughts. How do I think outside of that box? And so if your financial team, as it currently stands, is not challenging you to think outside of the box, 
The question that you then have to ask yourself is, do I want to challenge my existing team to push me to think outside of the box? Or if they haven't already done that, should it be my job to get them to think outside of the box? Because now we're going down a slippery slope of, again, we're comfortable with what we know, with who we know, with the people that we work with. And we're trying to open up that box to pry it open, but there's nothing to open it to because the forces from the outside are going to keep it closed. Yes. And then working with a financial planner. So maybe somebody doesn't understand what they could do for them, or, you know, maybe they're thinking it's like you're saying, it's only for really wealthy people with businesses that are already successful. But what about like the, the, the young um, doctor, hygienist, assistant who isn't there yet, it would a financial planner be good for them? And is it costly? It really depends on who they, they're working with. Um, the financial services industry, right, right wrong, wrong or indifferent, um, there's this concept that oftentimes people talk about, uh, you know, whether or not you're a fiduciary. And we get that question a lot. And the answer is yes, we are fiduciaries. But would people want somebody kind of like in the medical field, right? Would you ever want to go to a doctor that will say the following over and over again. You can trust me because I took the Socratic oath. You absolutely can trust me because by law, I'm supposed to do the right thing. And I also took the Socratic oath. I would definitely not want to work with that doctor. Why? Why do we have to hide behind a title, behind some sort of an alignment to, to you know, where, where this is being forced upon us? Financial services in general is is an area, like with many other industries, where people get comfortable with what they do. So for individuals that aren't working with anybody, the best place to start is start somewhere. But for those individuals that are already working with someone, the question then becomes, what are we missing? So if they're not already doing something, they got to start somewhere. But if they're already doing something to build on their wealth, then the question changes to say, okay, are we missing out on anything? Do we need to be thinking about anything else? And that's where the table stakes get elevated quite significantly in terms of who sits on your financial team. I know it's not the straightest of answers, but it's really hard to tell someone that, someone that, again, that hasn't really started on their financial journey, they have to start somewhere. And stopping that procrastination has to, it just has to stop. The procrastination, the fear, the imposter syndrome, I don't have enough money, I'm not good enough, I'll do it later. Don't. Even if it's as much of learn and teach yourself to do, you know, to set money aside in a savings account and then seek guidance. If we're talking about professionals that have already been in the industry or, or in their jobs for a while, they've already started building on their wealth. And we have, we, we're at that level we, where we can, it comes from within. What more can I do? That automatically tells us it's time to level up our financial team. And yes. so that's when the questions get to the next, next level. So first step, open those. Bank, open your credit card statements and your student loan accounts, your bank statements, your savings, your investments, and look at the overall picture, take a you know, look at it and face it and don't be afraid of it, right? Embrace it and work Totally it. embrace it. it. It's not going to happen. If, if you're hold, holding on to debt, it's not going to go away just because you don't look at the statement, right? Yeah. Um yeah. People it might not actually, be as bad as you think, too. It might not be as bad as you think. It's sometimes it's all about a plan. Too oftentimes individuals, and by the way, if if for our listeners, if if you're listening and you do have a lot of debt, you're not alone. A lot of people at all levels have debt, and and oftentimes we get individuals that are are super wealthy, and they're buried in debt. And their question is, how do I get out of this? The idea is the same across the board. There is good debt and there's bad debt. 
And so what I tell my clients is we cannot allow debt to paralyze us. It's there. We can't look back with regret. We shouldn't look back with regret. What we need to do is we need to have a strategy for how we're going to address it. But at the same time, we can't forget to be thinking about what are we going to do to build wealth? Because if we constantly keep our, keep on pressing down the pedal of we're just going to pay down the debt and only afterwards are we going to start focusing on how we build wealth, now you're losing two, three years worth of you seeing the benefits of actually seeing some money accumulate so that you re- alleviate the pressure of I'm paying down the debt and I have nothing in the bank, right? So let's find ways to pay ourselves to build wealth in tandem in order to then be able to get to the next level without that way you're not only focusing on your debt all the time you're, you're also focusing on growth so you're not correct there. correct and there listen there are a lot of different strategies a lot of people will say well you know there are you know there's some gurus out there and we won't talk about their name specifically that tell us pay down your debt and then invest here's the deal. They're not talking to the five percenters. They're not talking to the one percenters. They're talking to the people that that's all they want to hear. Give me a cookie cutter. Give me something simple to work on. I'll work on it. And then the question becomes, now what? Well, when the question is now what? Now we fall again into the trap of what does everybody else do versus saying, what can we do to break away from the mold? So if we can think about breaking away from that mold and from that box earlier on, in our own situation, it'll just put us on a much, much faster path to the feeling and to seeing and to realizing those financial gains and those that financial independence that, that everybody's seeking. Yeah. And I've been to, you know, I've seen some of those gurus, you know, live and, and everybody has some interesting perspectives and ideas, but like you said, it needs to be yours an individual so that if you work, you know, so if you work with a financial planner, advisor, it's about you and you could take all these different ideas and find out what's best for you and not that you can't take a little bit from all everybody, you know, all these different ideas, but that's why it has to be customized. It's customized. It's individual. And, and that's the reason why, regardless of, of how much our clients make, whether they're on the, on the lower end, we work with, like I said, we work with a lot of physicians, a lot of dentists, a lot of um, pilots, et cetera, business owners. It it doesn't matter if we're in the hundred, $200,000, or if we're in the two, $5 million. The problems be different. They're on it certainly on a different scale, but some of the strategies, not all of the strategies, some of the strategies can very much address the needs across the board. And that's what a lot of people don't understand when they say, I'm I'm not there yet. If we don't put ourselves in that situation to where we can find a way to get there, we're not going to get there. Unfortunately, sometimes it's hard to find the support to get us there if the support isn't focused on those strategies. And so that's that's one of those cat, kind of catch-22 situations. Yeah, and I just saw before hopping on here, I saw a scroll come across that somebody, one person won the, the big billion dollar lottery last night. And so and like, and like so you hear about lottery winners, um, being, a lot of them went to bankrupt because it's not just about the money. Like you said, you have $1.2 billion. And so it's all in your, stra- you, st- you have to have a strategy no matter that person could be bankrupt and living on the street before they know it too. So you really have to, no matter what, you have to have a plan, right? 
you do it. And especially for those individuals, but you know, cause when that happens, everybody all of a sudden becomes their friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and before you know it, there's a lot of, there are a lot of taxes. They most likely don't, aren't looking at tax strategies at that point in time, because who would, you just want a billion dollars, right? They're not, rich. I don't have, right. Who cares if I pay half in taxes? Well, guess what? Yeah. It's going to follow you for a long time. And, and that's one of the reasons why they, many of them end up, end up being bankrupt because they, to your point, they don't have that plan, but it's also a good realization to, to, um, for everybody else to look at not their title or what they do or how much money they make. It's about the strategies that they employ. We actually had talking about kids. We had this conversation with um, our children over the weekend and they said, well, you know, the comparison between a doctor and, and somebody that's a mechanic, right? A mechanic is going to have a lot lower standard of living. They're going to make less money. But what they don't know is that that mechanic may actually be more successful financially than even a doctor depending mm-hmm. on how they approach money. And so, yes, titles, yes, how much money people make is relevant and it's important. But what's even more relevant is how do we how do we make the most of it of what it is that we have? And realizing that, you know, just having the title doesn't necessarily guarantee us success or financial results down the road. Or happiness. Or happiness. Definitely not, doesn't guarantee happiness. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We will definitely put your links in the show notes. And if you want to give a shout out to where people can find you the the fastest, people that are listening or watching on YouTube. They can go to excelstra.com. Shoot us a note. Uh, You can send us an email. You can uh, open up an inquiry ticket with any questions that you might have or sign up for our newsletter. And it'll be our pleasure to make sure that we address the questions that come through. Just the only request I have is let us know that you heard it here on the podcast today. All right. Great. Yeah. And we'll put you on the uh, website also, rootyouon.com. I saw you filled out your your profile. So all of your information will be there with the episode and without the episode. So you can look it up at rootyouon.com as well. It's easy to remember. Thank you so much. And I'm going to call my family to see if anybody was the winner of that lottery right away. I tell you what, I look forward to it, Cindy. It was a pleasure (laughs) being here with you today. And uh, and if I can be of any support or if even you personally have any questions, just let me know. Okay. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. So I've always been a little anxious myself going to the dentist and I would, okay, I sometimes still do, hold on to the handles of the chair, like grab each handle and just squeeze really hard. Um, Give myself something to do with my hands, just squeeze the chair, even for a simple polish. You know, so it can be uncomfortable and scary. Some patients with anxieties and extra fears have even more anxiety. And so there are a fidget poppers that you can use. So you can go give those to your patients and they can hang on to them. And then they can concentrate on what's in their hand, that little popper, instead of focusing on what you are doing or having to grab that chair and squeeze so tight. It takes your mind off of the treatment. And some patients with a gag reflex, and you're asking them to breathe through their nose, wiggle their toes, anything to take their mind off of what you're doing, it really helps you get a good picture and open contact. And it's a lifesaver and time saver for you and the patient. And so with these fidget poppers, you can hand them to the patient and they can focus on that instead of focusing on the fact that you're putting an x-ray sensor down their throat. And it helps them be happier and more calm. Uh, Check out fidget poppers, smilemakers.com. Use code DAP20 for 20% off of your order.